Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Here I am. I'm just kind of scooting around. Anyway, it feels like it's been a long time since I've been here, but that's... We were gone for two Sundays. I was here last week, but um, I don't know. It just feels like it's been a while. I don't know. You guys have all been here. but um, So two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, um, I, we right around this time, actually, um, I was in New York running the New York City Marathon. And thanks, everyone. Um, and, oh, wow, that's great. Um, how many of you have run a marathon before? One. Two, three, four, all right, good. Um, handful of you, that's great. Um, how many of you just uh, breeze through it, no problem? <laughs> Kyle, come on, no. Uh, it's, it is hard, isn't it? Um, man, that's so hard. I did the Seattle one last year too, which is happening like right now um, uh, in Seattle, um, which is terrible, like, Three days after Thanksgiving to have to run a marathon. That's, uh, uh, but it was, uh, man, it was, it was, uh, it was hard. It was a lot of fun. But, um, I was, it was like right around mile 17 and 18 is where it started to get really hard for me. Um, and I started getting texts from people who I'm pretty sure were in church at the time. Um, cause they were, you could, there was like an app where you could see where I was and they could see that I was slowing down and I was getting texts from people. So thank you to those of you that were encouraging me while not listening to the sermon. Um, uh, multitasking, right? Um, but so, so when you train for a marathon, they, they say you, you typically don't want to do your, any training runs longer than like 20 miles, 22 at the most. Um, just because it takes so much out of you if you, if you run longer than that in training, um, you'll lose energy. So, so what gets really hard, like right around mile 17, those of you that have done this before, maybe experienced this as well. Uh, so when you're doing a training run and it's like, okay, I, I, 20 miles is my longest run. And, um, and you get to like 16, 17 miles, you're like, I'm tired, but I only have like a half hour to go. Uh, you know, 35 minutes, 40 minutes, like I'm almost to there. When you get to 16 miles in a marathon, you still have 10 more miles to go, <laughs> which is just like, it's like, it, it does stuff to you mentally. Those of you that have done this before, like it's, uh, it, it's like, wow, I am still so far away from the finish. Um, you start having all these questions like, why did I sign up to do this and all that kind of stuff. Um, People pay money to do that kind of thing. Um, anyway, uh, but it was great, and I appreciate all of you uh, that afterwards, I th- I'm assuming Pastor Jim mentioned something about it because a ton of people were talking to me about it after I got back. Um, and then the weekend after that, we were at the marriage conference, um, which uh, marriage is its own kind of marathon, right? Um, and uh, and uh, in a good way, people uh, <laughs> love you. Uh, Sometimes you say stuff and then you realize that probably wasn't the best thing to say. Anyway, um, and uh, yeah, so it's good to be back. It's good to be sharing with you this morning. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. Um, 
Hebrews chapter 10, we're, we're working through our, uh, wrapping up our foundational 50 memory verses. Um, encourage you to continue memorizing through the year. Next week we start, uh, we'll start Advent as well. And we'll have, uh, uh, the, like a devotional guide to guide you through the day, different days of Advent and Christmas as we prepare. Uh, we already have our Christmas tree up and, uh, thanks to the people who came in yesterday to, to help decorate. And, um, so, so we're in, our verses for today are, uh, that you'll be memorizing this week are Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25. And I'm going to read those to you and then we're going to talk a little bit about the context. But first let's have a word of prayer. God, as we uh, open your word together as your family, as we have gathered and we've worshiped together and, um, and, and sung and, and prayed for one another and uh, reflecting on um, just who you have called us to be this morning, we ask that we may hear your words to us, that we, uh, that we may be challenged by them, that we may be encouraged by them, that we uh, may be changed by them. And uh, we just ask that we hear your voice to us this morning, that the things that are of me and my own thoughts and ideas, that they will be quickly forgotten, and the things that are of you that uh, we'll hold fast to and and follow after. Pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so uh, verses 24 and 25 of Hebrews chapter 10 says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So those are the verses that you're memorizing this week, but there's a context to these uh, because, because this is actually the third thing that the author of Hebrews is saying, let us do. And so if you look back in verse 22, he says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Then in verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And so he's three things that he's saying, these are the things that we ought to do. We're going to focus specifically on the last one, the last one there because that's our, our verse for today. But I just want to point this out and, and point out that if you go back even a little bit further into verse 19, he says, here's why we're supposed to do this. And, and so he says in verse 19, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus and by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God, let us hold unswervingly, let us consider. So he's saying, since we have these other things, and, and you may be reading that, and, and maybe you're familiar with Hebrews and you kind of already know what he's talking about, um, but if, if you're new to this, you might get to this place and say, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new living way, since we have a great priest over the house of God, think, what is he talking about here? Um, well, what he's talking about, and, and we don't have time to dive into today, but we talked, we actually preached through Hebrews probably like three years ago. So I'm pretty sure those podcasts are still up there. You can go find them. But, um, he's talking about basically the whole context of what he has been writing about for the last ten chapters is building up into these, these verses that we're talking about today and the response to that. So just as a quick summary, we don't have time to get on to, into all this, but what Hebrews is really dealing with, a lot of what he is going on in Hebrews is, is the author is making this point 
based on the Old Testament law and all the instructions and the, the practices and the, and the rituals that were necessary for the people of Israel to worship God. And so he talks, he's going into like the sacrificial system and the priests and the temple and, and all that was involved in coming before God and the need for a mediator and the need for sacrifices that were to make you clean and the separation that even after all that was done, there was, there was a veil in the temple that, that you couldn't go behind because that's where God's presence dwelt. And, and our author is saying that uh, in over these last 10 chapters has been saying all of that practice and ritual and the things that we did in order to access God has been fulfilled in one person, Jesus Christ. And that that separation between us and God because of Christ no longer exists. So when he talks about a priest, he's saying we, you, you used to have to go to a priest, but the priest himself wasn't clean. The priest himself didn't have also had deal, dealt with sin. But here you have this man, Jesus Christ, who was sinless and has become the mediator giving us access to God that he's, that we now have. So when he says this, we have confidence to enter the most holy place. The most holy place was a place you could not go. If you went into the holy place, you would be struck dead. And, and he's saying now we can enter that place because of Christ. We can come directly into God's presence. We no longer need a mediator to help us access God. The mediator is Christ, and now we can go directly to him with our prayers, with our needs, with whatever it is that we have, and we are in, uh, we can be in his presence. It says this way has been opened up by the blood of Jesus, that um, we have this priest over the house of God. So this is the context. This access that we have to God, this grace that we have, and this forgiveness of sins that, that no longer is there anything else that we need to do in order to know God. Uh, Hebrews is, is really complex, and, and that's as close as I can come to summarizing what those ten chapters are. And I, and, and I hope, just as, as a pause here, I hope and my prayer this morning is that you, uh, you understand the truth of that. That you understand that God is for you and that Christ has come for you. Uh, His love is for you and that there is nothing that you have to do in order to earn God's love, earn God's favor. That Christ has already paid for your sins and that it's for you today. So our author says, because this, like since we believe these things, since we know these things, since this is true, Here are the things that we should do. First of all, let us draw near to God. There's no separation between us and God. So now let's come near him. He says, let us draw near to God with sincere heart, with full assurance that that faith brings, with this confidence that we have that that our our knowledge and our understanding of, of what God has done. Our hearts have been sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Our bodies have been washed with pure water. We have been made clean, so let us draw near to him. He has drawn near to us. Now, let us draw near to him. Um, interesting here, those of you that um, are familiar with with uh, the way that Scripture works, uh, there's a triad of, of uh, terms that get used a lot through the Scripture. Faith, hope, and love show up all the time in uh, in the New Testament writings. And, and our author of Hebrews is, is using those three things. So he says, let us draw near with the full assurance that faith brings. 
let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess and let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love. So these ideas are being, are being used here. That's not necessarily significant for what we're talking about, but just kind of interesting. Um, and then secondly, he says, uh, first, let's draw near to God. Secondly, he says, let's hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. In light of what God has done, let us hold fast to where we are going and to what God is still doing through us and, and the promise of salvation that we have. Let us live as though that promise of salvation is true. And the way that we operate in our world, the way that we operate with one another, comes with a confidence of what God has done and a, and a hope of what God is continuing to do in us. And it's not a hope of, we hope God might do this. It's a hope of an assurance of, we know this is what God is about and what God is doing. And so we live with that vision. We can think of it almost as, not so much as a... Um, well, think of it like a race. Uh, not like, I hope there will be a finish line at the end of this, um, which is sometimes what you're thinking, but it's like, I know it's there and I have to get there. And, and this is, this is, there's going to be a medal waiting for me. There's, there's, uh, there's water and, and apples and, you know, all the stuff that you need. Um, you got, you just got to get to the finish. Um, this is the idea of hope that we're talking about. This idea of we know where we're going. And, and we're on our way there. And we have a confidence as we move forward. So he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. He will be faithful. Um, and then finally, our verses for today. He says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. as Some, in the habit are, uh, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. A um, couple things here to, to note. First of all, this, this word spur one another on. How many of you have a different uh, different word there in your translation than spur on? What do you have, Rachel? Stir up. Stir up exhort. Provoke. Anything else? Encourage. Stimulate. Yeah, so this word, what was that one? Motivate. This word is, um, it's, it's not very often used in the Greek, um, and in the New Testament. But it's, it's the, all the only other time it's word, it's an, it's a negative context. This is, um, you think about those of you that do horses, you think about what spurs do, right? They're not necessarily something that is pleasant, right? You use the spurs to, to kick into the animal to get it to move. Um, it's, it's, I would imagine, not, not being a horse, I imagine it's a painful thing. Um, uh, but, but this is, this is the word. It's, 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 um, it's irritate. It's, uh, it, it's provoke. It's, it's used to this idea of like outbursts and, um, we we're, we're bugging each other. We're, we're irritating each other towards love and good deeds is what the author is saying. Um, it's not just like, Hey, you can do it, but it's, it's like kind of needling each other a little bit is, is really the idea of, of what our author is getting at here. He says, um, consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Uh, this challenge towards this responsibility. Again, this is in light of all that the author has been talking about for the last 10 chapters. In light of what Christ has done, we ought to be considering how we might irritate each other towards love might irritate each other, each other towards good deeds. 
And then he says this, um, and I, this is this is connected here, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Uh, and, and so in the context of Hebrews, as far as we can tell, uh, the reason that these people were in the habit of, or some people were in the habit of not meeting together, giving that up, is because of persecution. They were, they're experiencing hardship, they're experiencing, um, it, later on he says, some of you are resisted not to the point of death, but but there's a likely possibility that that might come. So the the, the reason where they, why they would quit giving up meeting together was because they're afraid, a lot of them. Um, but in our own con, we live in, in a culture where, thankfully, that is not a fear for us that um, that because we are Christians that we're going to be persecuted in that way. Um, we know that we have brothers and sisters today who have already met and worshipped uh, missionaries that we support. Pastor Jim was talking about that that are um, have met with great fear that they'll be put in jail, that um, they'll be taken from their families, that they don't know what happened. They can't share publicly what they're doing. Um, and this is a real reality. And yet they they meet together. They they show up and they, they meet despite all this fear. But there are all kinds of reasons, even in our culture today, right, why we might uh, not keep meeting together. And I understand that uh, it's a holiday weekend and there's a 10 o'clock Seahawks game today. And so you all are here, which means maybe I'm preaching to the choir a little bit because um, you've decided to show up even despite all those factors that might uh, might cause us to stop showing up. Um, uh, so uh, you can maybe uh, if look around you. If this, you see someone missing, you can... Uh, text them later and say, oh, I was really thinking about you during church today. Uh, not really. Uh, yeah, we were talking about you. Um, really have a message you need to hear. No. Uh, anyway, uh, but, but there are all kinds of reasons why we might stop meeting together, right? Might not show up anymore. Um, we're, let's be honest, we're all busy. Uh, we're tired. Uh, we wish that we didn't have to stand so much when we sing, or we wish we got to stand more when we sing, or we wish you sang more songs like this, or didn't sing so many songs like that, or it's inconvenient, or, I mean, all kinds of things that we might find as excuses for say, I don't really want to put in the effort this morning, um, or put in the effort anymore, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll go do something else, or maybe you know, I'd love to go hiking more often, or find all kinds of different things that we can do with our time. So Pastor Jim already said today, like, your presence here is an encouragement to other people. And this is this is really true. And this is this is something that, according to the author of Hebrews, we are called to commit ourselves to do. But it's important that, that we, we pause here, because at least in this passage, uh, we have all kinds of reasons why we come to church. This passage seems to give us some indications of, of why we should gather together. Um, and there aren't the things that we typically think of. Um, typically, when we think of uh, gathering for, for Sunday worship, we um, I think we often think of uh, this is sort of a vertical thing. This is between us and God. And so we have this conversation of, well... Uh, 
I wasn't really able to worship well this morning, or I was able to worship well this morning, or um, I didn't really grow in my spiritual walk with God this morning. Like, I didn't feel connected to him. Um, but according to, to the author of Hebrews, at least in this context, I, those other things are part of what we do. But what he's specifically getting at is the reason we gather to meet is is for each other. That what we're doing here isn't solely about what's happening between me and God and what's happening between you and God, but it's what's also we're doing is what's happening between me and you and you and the people next to you and and you and the people who... Uh, you don't even know their names, um, but but they're here. This that we are doing this together, and and this idea that showing up matters uh, because when we meet together, this is this is the place. And it doesn't just have to happen in this room. There are all kinds of other ways, and it's part of why we're doing this work over here. Um, so that we have more opportunities to to interact with each other. And what we're doing when we interact with each other isn't, uh, according to the author here, isn't just, hey, how was your week? Um, but it's, we are considering, he says, let us consider, let's think on this, like, figure this out. How can we provoke each other? How can we irritate each other towards love and good deeds? That part of what is happening here, like uh, Pastor Jim or I, or Pastor Kevin, get up and we we give a message and we we open God's Word together, and we talk about how hopefully we're encouraging you towards things like love and good deeds. But hopefully, also you, when you come, are thinking, how can I provoke others towards love and good deeds this week? When I get together with my Church, um, how can I provoke these people towards greater love? How can I provoke these people towards doing more good for those around them? How can how can we encourage each other as we as we do that? Uh, he says, "All the more as the day is approaching." This idea of the day of the Lord that things are getting harder. We could say that today, right? Things seem like just continual life is getting harder. Um, Things in our world are getting harder. And he says, even more as we draw closer to when Christ will return. Even It's even more important for us to do this today. To gather and consider, how can I provoke another person towards love and good deeds? How can I encourage? How can I push a person that way? Uh, one of the things that happens when um, you're in a race, when you're especially in a marathon, is um, so right around mile, as I was saying, right, right around mile 16 and 17, there's a handful of people who you see them, and it's just like they got this. Like you can just see them, and they're not struggling, or at least they appear to not be struggling. And the rest of us are. There's like a handful of us that are just like, oh, this is terrible, and other people just go on. Um, but when you get to about mile 22 or mile 23, um, everybody is struggling. Like, it's just, uh, I mean, maybe the, the people who won the race maybe weren't struggling. But they were finished before I even started. So, um, so they're probably fine. But, but for those of us that are, that are hanging around the middle of the pack there, um, it's hard for all of us. And, and we're, I mean, you know that, you're 
three, four miles away from the finish. Um, but it's hard. And, and what happens, so there's people there watching the race, and they're cheering for you, and they're encouraging you, and that's great. Um, but one of the things that, that was just amazing is that the people in the race uh, are encouraging each other. And, and like, you see somebody struggling and somebody else says, like, come on, we can do this. Like, I don't know that person. That person doesn't know. But they're like, let's, let's go. Like, we're, we're almost there. And as you get closer and closer to the finish line, it gets harder and harder. But you know, like, it's almost there. And, and you can keep doing this. And, and together they are, uh, I mean, you don't want to keep running. And it's irritating to have someone say, yeah, you can do it. Um, especially if the person isn't actually doing it, right? They're holding up a sign. It's like, oh, you're great. <laughs> Stop here for free pizza or whatever. You know, it's like, that's not funny. I'm, uh, but the people who are struggling with you, they know that it's hard. They know that it's difficult. And they are committed. They're, they're, doing, they're running their own race. But they've also just taking some extra energy to encourage somebody else. And this is what we do when we gather together. Like we're all figuring this out. What does it mean to, to follow Christ and to, to hold to our faith and to hold to our hope and to figure out what does it mean to do that here in Shoreline, in Seattle, in Kirkland, in, in the greater Seattle area in the 21st century? And, and what does it mean to be followers of Christ in this world. And when we gather together, we commit to spur one another on. And so, um, so here's, here's my challenge for you as we, uh, as we wrap up. Uh, we have five weeks left in the year, um, six if you count today. And, and what, what I want you, I would, I would love to have you commit to, consider, as, as the author of Hebrews say, says, um, how can you, every time we gather together, is there, is there one person, it doesn't have to be the same person every time, but can, will you commit, will you consider how you can spur one person on towards love and good deeds when you gather together this week? when you gather together next week. Um, don't just show up thinking, okay, what am I going to get out of this? But part of what we're doing here, part of what we're supposed to be doing when we commit to meeting together is to commit to each other as well. It's not what I'm getting at. Well, what am I going to give to somebody else? How am I? And, and let's be honest. Uh, sometimes we don't want people to tell us what we should be doing or, or pointing us towards that. That's why I think that spur on, that ir- like this is, you might be irritated by it. You might, uh, and, and let's frank, we, some of us at least, um, the Scandinavian side of us don't like to engage confrontation and, and, um, and we don't necessarily like to be that person to, to irritate or just, but, but this is what we're asked to do here. Uh, let's let's consider it. How can we spur one another on? Uh, we want to be a people uh, who are who are bearing witness to the love of God in our world. Amen. And we don't all do that well. Uh, I would say all of us don't do that well from time to time, and sometimes we do. 
And sometimes it's the examples of others that encourages us to do it. And so we gather together, not so much because this is the event that gives us the answers, as much as this is the place where we come, we gather, and then we get sent back out to to try again. And it's been hard for the week, and, and things are, are difficult, and we and we come back together, and somebody here challenges us, spurs us to say, okay, get back out and do it again. We encourage each other that as, as we continue to run this race, this is, I mean, the author of Hebrews says in chapter 12, because uh, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us, but who are also in this room with us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let us consider him, Christ, who has paid for our sins, who has, who has brought us in to this access to God. And let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let's pray. God, may we, uh, may we hear your words this morning. As we've already said, may we, um, maybe you're bringing somebody to mind already this week that we, um, we can encourage and that we can, um, push towards greater love and good works. And uh, we just ask that you um, open our hearts to, um, to being changed, open our hearts towards one another. Um, God, we, um, we thank you so much for this, for this body. And, and even as we have lost um, some dear friends this week, um, we, uh, We're so grateful for the ways that they have uh, been a part of who we are and a part of our family. And, uh, and we pray that we may continue uh, this work uh, on this corner and as we go out into our communities. Pray this in your name. Amen. Please stand with us. As we go out from here today, uh, just may those words... Uh, stick with you this morning uh, that you, uh, men and women of tender heart, uh, forgiving others, take your part. Take your part in a, the, the act of forgiving, the act of loving, the act of uh, doing good in the world is our worship to God. We gather to worship. We gather to encourage one another, to spur each other on, so that we can continue to worship when we leave this place. And so may your lives this week uh, proclaim God's love in worship to him. Go in peace.